Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. My name's Steve Hildry. And I'm Mark Zelensky. Welcome to another episode of Counter Charge. And I am very excited today because... This is kind of a seminal episode. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg, and we're going to be getting into that a little bit later, but I'm very, very excited to have Steve on the show today because a little announcement is involved, so I'm very, very happy about that. But we're going to leave him hanging. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, yeah, leave him hanging. <laughs> a little showmanship there, so very good. But Steve, this is your first time on Countercharge, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the Countercharge audience. Okay, sure. My name's Steve Hildrew. I'm, I live in the middle of the UK in a town called Birmingham. So I've been interested in the world of fantasy since I was a tiny little boy, since I can remember. But I think about the age of 11 or 12, a friend from school invited me around to play a game called Talisman, uh, which is a GW game, um, which I just instantly fell in love with. And we played a bit of Blood Bowl and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of got into it there. My brother started to play uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And this was I wish to give away my age, but this was uh, like third edition, I think. So it's quite some time ago uh, in in the very early 90s. So the, the irony is that back then I only played, I think I played four games of Warhammer Fantasy Battle because my brother um, refused to play me after I beat him. So I think I spent a couple of years just basically painting figures and collecting figures. And I was very much more of a collector than a player. I played a lot of Talisman, though, with my family. And then I kind of uh, got a bit more interested in drinking and, and girls, I think, than... <laughs> than gaming and I kind of uh, lost interest a little bit. I always, over the years, kept an eye on it, but every time I'd pop into a games workshop, I just found it really confusing. And back when I was a kid, you know, I was I was too shy to go up and ask, you know, these terrifying adults in the shop for a game or anything, so I just kind of hobbied it out. And then, so skip forward maybe, let's say, 25-plus years, and I've got a family of my own, and my my mum was cleaning out her her loft, her attic, and she's like, uh, Stephen, do you want these? do you want these little men? And I was like, yes, I want my little man. Um, and I thought this might be something really cool I could do with my son. So my middle son is 12, and I thought there might be something quite fun we could do together. But again, when I went to Games Workshop, it was I didn't understand it. It was all round bases and uh, just, you know. So I Googled, you know, uh, replacements for Fantasy Battle. And I just read this post saying, well, everyone plays Kings of War now. So I went onto the Kings of War site, and it had that magic word free and i was like i love a free thing that's amazing and then ended up spending hundreds of pounds on it which is the way it happens and then so we got some figures together and i played a little bit with my son who was uninterested in his entirety which was a real shame um he, he really wasn't it wasn't his thing at all because it didn't have uh, buttons and a screen bless him and i thought actually i'm i'm quite enjoying the resurgence of the hobby uh, and i sought out some local gamers and and we went from there really and i've just been uh, playing it's just since last year Really, but there's a, a reasonably lively lo- local scene, and yeah, we've been kicking on with that. So that's kind of a very short version of where I came from. So you're relatively new to the game, and boy, you have really dived in with both feet. I mean, you have a YouTube channel. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I do. I guess I'm a kind of an obsessive person, maybe. I don't know. But it's like I was looking for something 
to 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 really focus on. And I was a I was a big video gamer when I was younger, and I was a I even ended up doing it for a job. I was a video game journalist for a while. So when I do something, I really do it wholesale. Yeah, and it's really grabbed me. So when I was playing, what I quickly realized was that because Kings of War is such a it's such a simple game, but it's so complex um, to really get to the ends of it. And I I found uh, watching battle reports and stuff like that online really helped me. And some of those, you know, some of those really great ones like Mastercrafted and Visibly Riley and people like that, I think they're really super because they talk about their games and their strategies and it really helps develop their skills so i just you know to help me develop my skills i put them started to uh, do some battle reports of the games that i was playing knowing that i wasn't very good and people were more than willing to tell me where i was going wrong uh, but it really helps i think going through them and i, I really enjoy doing them and i can spend my uh, my evenings doing that so yeah my channel is a bit of an advert here please visit death by dragons just search death by dragons in youtube and I put a couple of tournament reports and stuff up there. And it's really just a way of me showing off some models and having some fun and deep diving into to, to my game so that I can really uh, improve myself. I'm going to go ahead and put up a link to Steve's YouTube channel in the show notes so you guys can just point and click for that. So, And then you've got another project that's really near and dear to your heart because doing YouTube and jumping into Kings of War full force just wasn't enough so why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh, miniature directory project you've got going on here. Right. So, yeah. So clearly my obsessive nature is showing. So it's funny because when I was uh, collecting the miniatures and I was I had obviously my old miniatures from when I was uh, when I was a kid and uh, I sold some of those and discovered that their value is really high, um, which allowed me to kind of fund my my purchase of other miniatures. But what I found that, you know, while we like to, to buy Mantic and support Mantic, obviously they don't have every miniature. And I was quite frustrated with how hard it is to find an appropriate resource for, you know, what's out there. Because there's hundreds of miniature companies and they're kind of small companies. So they come up and they go and there's a Kickstarter here and a company over there. And there's 17 miniature printing companies in Poland. And I was thinking, I don't know if any of them are any good. And if I'm going to drop, you know, 20, 30 pounds, dollars, whatever, on a, on a, on a miniature, I kind of don't want it to arrive and be terrible. And, I, and I, I had, I'd spent some money on things and they'd arrive. And I looked at them and I think, well, this is... This is not what I thought it was. The size isn't that good. And I thought there is no single resource that tells you what, what's available, what's out there. So I kind of I reached out to the to the countercharge community, actually, um, uh, along with a couple of others. And there was some guy, uh, the Ninth Age community, and, and said, you know, I, I, I want to collect a resource. I want to create a resource where people can go on and say, oh, I want to buy some orcs. Who sells orcs and are they any good? And so I collected this list of it's a couple of hundred to 300 miniature companies that are still up and running. And I created this site. It's called The Miniature Directory, theminiaturedirectory.com. And you can go there and you can click on whichever race uh, you're collecting, or you can just search for a company. Um, and it will take you to their website or it'll show you all the ones that are available. You can search via territory. So you can search via kind of uh, US-based manufacturers, European manufacturers, British manufacturers, and you can give them a rating. So if you've ordered from them, you can leave a little review to say if they're any good. Um, and you can rate them. There's a five-star. I think we rate them on uh, quality of product, design of product, price, um, and customer service. Uh, because, for example, I've had some, some miniatures where um, – so Mom Miniatures is a great example. They do amazing dwarf miniatures. They're, I think their dwarf elementals are fantastic. Uh, but when they arrived, they're, they're really – they're covered in flashing. There's a lot of mold lines. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, the quality is not – 
as good as I expected. But their customer service was excellent. So I kind of want, I would have liked to have known that. So I knew what I was getting into. So that's the idea of the site is to be a resource for people to go to and to, to see what's out there and then to let other users know what they thought of the miniature manufacturers. And that has been one heck of a resource. And you have that over on the countercharge page, as you mentioned, too. So it's on our Facebook page. I don't know. Do you keep that as a running tally? I haven't kept tabs on it here recently. The countercharge one was just uh, so I posted on there saying, these are the sites that I've uh, the companies that I've got. Can you guys help me with some more? Because, you know, Google is only so much and I'm just I'm just one guy. Um, and people really pulled through and they come up with all these different companies that I didn't know about. So the, the the hard work really was going through the sites and kind of listing out what races they had uh, on offer. But that that piece of work is now done. So the the miniaturedirectory.com is the site where it's kept kind of contemporaneous, and that's where I keep it up to date, as up to date as I can. So I do rely on people kind of uh, contacting me, on commenting on those pages, and saying, oh, so for example, just last week we added the fact that Watchful Eye Studios, uh, their um, Chinese range has been added to as a UK distributor at Ainsley Casting. So if you kind of looked at those cool Chinese miniatures, but you're in the UK and thought, I don't really want to pay the shipping from the US, there's now a UK distributor. So we added a, a note about that as well. So just keeping that up to date. So the website is the place to go. And I assume there's a contact button over there for them to send you notes and things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can comment on each of the pages if you wanted to say something about a specific manufacturer, or you can just uh, shoot me an email through the website as well. So um, either way, it is good, but it, it's great to see it being used. I would love to see it used more um, or suggestions. People suggested adding things like Terrain, which is on my list to do at some point. It's a fantasy directory at the moment uh, because sci-fi is a little bit more difficult. You can't really say, you know, you can have space orcs and space dwarfs, but I don't know where Tyranids would fit in or something, you know, like that. So or Asterians or something like that. So it's just a fantasy resource at the, at the minute. That's all right. Kings of War doesn't have all that space stuff in it, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like space stuff. Who likes that anyway? Weird people, am I right? There you go. Yeah, no, hey, it's working great. So it's very, very cool page, a lot of stuff. So if you want to get involved in that, I again, I will put a link to that in the show notes. The links come up better if you go ahead and access the podcast on its homepage, or if you go over to Twitter, I'll throw the links over there. Facebook doesn't like them as much, but I'll see what I can do about that. So, but very, very cool. So, hey, Steve, why don't we go ahead and slide into the big reason that you're here? And that is because we are going to have you be our roving UK tournament reporter for Countercharge, which I think is very, very exciting. And uh, you've actually attended your first event. Yeah, I've been to a couple. Um, uh, obviously, I've been to uh, tournaments, but this is the, I've been for the first tournament as a kind of countercharge roving reporter yeah i think this is really cool and basically this has come out of me listening to to rob and jeremy's amazing coverage of the various tournaments they've been to and particularly some of their adepticon stuff which was super in-depth and i thought how how fun this was and it really kind of made you know i'm over here in the middle of england and i feel really part of the the u.s tournament scene and some of those players and you know their names are, are familiar to me you know shannon shoemaker and, and jeremy duval and all these people and that's really cool and i thought you know you, the uk is supposed to be the home of wargaming you know and i live maybe an hour away from both gw and mantic and i thought this is really strange that we don't necessarily have this level of coverage on on what is the world's number one kings of war podcast right so i thought what we could do with is somebody over here in the UK who's willing to go around and, and do some of those interviews 
and really bring a bring a flavor of the UK scene to, to to a more worldwide audience, so people can get an idea of kind of the players that are here, but also some of the the kind of the more the I don't know the smaller tournaments really because. I think what's really interesting um, about the tournament scene is that we hear a lot online around, for example, Clash of Kings uh, or some of the really bigger tournaments or the uh, Masters and things like that. But I think what really is the vibrancy of uh, a tournament scene is the smaller tournaments, the local tournaments where people who don't necessarily get to the, to the big time, but they're still interesting people and they're still pushing the hobby forward. And they're such a great resource and they're giving of their time and their money. And I think it would be great to hear some of their stories uh, as part of the podcast as well. Well, as I like to say that, you know, Countercharge is about Kings of War and the people that play it. So I'm really, really excited about it. And this is a very multi-layered hobby. And I think that we just keep peeling away at that a little bit each time. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So Steve's going to be uh, recording at the tournaments he goes to. And, you know, we'll be getting some information. And this kind of dovetails a little bit with your YouTube channel because you uh, just put up a video regarding the tournament that we're talking about today that's me basically and I, I wholeheartedly admit this is me copying andy ransom andy 2d6 you know the that top player as he uh, uh, identifies himself i really enjoyed his tournament reports and i thought that's a great way to talk through your games and to and people seem to really enjoy them um you know you get a lot of feedback and a lot of people really appreciate i think seeing the models and the level of gameplay that you get at a tournament which is you know necessarily a little bit more competitive. So um, the most recent one that I put up was uh, at Forge Wardens, which is a tournament at Worcester War Games. So Worcester is a small town just outside Birmingham in the Midlands of England. And there's a couple of guys who, who run uh, a local club who uh, took up the mantle of, because there's a bit of a paucity of tournaments in the Midlands. There's a couple, but a lot of the big centres like London and up north where we've got the Northern Kings who do their really big, fantastic events. The Midlands has always lagged behind a little bit, but there's quite a few players around. So the two guys who I interview, so uh, you've got Rich Miller and Stefan Donovan, and they're part of uh, a club they call the Celestial Forge. They put together this local tournament as their first tournament. So we've kind of caught them right at the beginning of their journey of being TOs. And they put on a small tournament in Worcester War Games, it was really fun. We had a great time, and it was really nice to talk to them. And that's one of the things about the UK scene is there's a lot more one days than there are two days. That's right. I think whether it's something to do with I mean, English people, we're very precious. You know, I have to give up a whole weekend. Oh, my goodness me, no. So I think uh, there's a definite preference for people to run a one-day tournament. And there's, you know, there's there are two day tournaments. There are big two day tournaments, but they're few and far between. So I think these these local one day tournaments is very much what the flavor of the UK scene is about. And some of them are really great, and they're really well run, and they're really high quality, and people um, definitely enjoy going to them. So kind of shining a bit of a spotlight on that gives an idea of of, of what it's like to do gaming in the UK, definitely. And that's one of my really big goals here on Countercharge as well is to stitch the UK and the US scene together. You know, uh, this weekend's BCB, and we have Jonathan Falks and Dan King over here uh, down in Memphis uh, hanging out with Rob and having a great time. Gibney, I mean, uh, it is unbelievable. They are having a great time down there. If you're over there on Facebook, look up Blue City Brawl, and you can check out all the shenanigans down there. Rob runs uh, one very interesting tournament, and he's actually been live streaming some stuff, so you can check that out 
over on the Countercharge Facebook page. So very, very cool. So yeah, so Steve went down, he recorded some content down at Forge Warden. So we're going to go ahead and slide into that right now. And then we're going to come back on the other side of the interviews and then we'll wrap up the show. I can't believe you're listening to the Stinking Podcast. Wing Tusser Publishing and Zemok Books is your one-stop site for historical, sci-fi, and fantasy gaming. Look for our novels that tie into some of the best sci-fi and fantasy settings. Mantic, Antares, Blood and Plunder, and Martian Front. In addition, it is a source for historical background and material for all your historical wargaming armies. Look for our book set, wingtosarpublishing.com, in all good booksellers. For listeners of Countercharge, check our website for special discounts on Mantic-related books. Hi, I'm Harris Dusnap, and I'm from Warbond Games Club. Hi, I'm Mikey Dusnap, older cousin Harris Dusnap, fellow wargamer, also from Warbond Gamers Club, and you're listening to Countercharge. Okay, uh, I'm here at... The first, the inaugural, Forge Wardens, uh, here yeah. at Worcester War Games. <laughs> and I'm here with, to yourself. Uh, Richard Miller. So Richard, um, you are the TO for this brand new tournament. Uh, yeah, uh, me and Steph are both TOs, um, but uh, Steph's playing as the spare player today. Um, unless we have another dropout, in which case we're both playing. <laughs> but yeah, we've uh, yeah, organised it together, so it should be, should be good. That's pretty good. So let's start, um, let's start with you a little bit. Give a, a brief introduction to you, uh, how you got into war games, and then how you found Kings of War, and how eventually we came to have uh, your own tournament. Oh, oh, I've been playing war games for, since I was 12, so too many years. What's that? 28. Yeah, 28 years playing. So yeah, it obviously started with Warhammer 40k and Fantasy, as mm-hmm. everybody else did, um, along with all the dungeon games. Um, and then moved across to Kings when Fantasy died a horrible death. Yeah. Uh, so hopped on board second edition along with uh, sort of 60% of the player base. Um, and really enjoyed the game and wanted to get the Midland scene on the go. Cool. So... Um... So yeah, so you talk about the Midlands scene. We'll t- talk a little bit about how much is there a big scene here in the Midlands. It seems like we get a lot in the UK from the north, a little bit from the south, but not a lot about the Midlands. When I certainly came in, it found it actually quite hard to find people around the Midlands, but it seems to be growing now. Uh, slowly, yeah. So uh, we're hoping to. Uh, it's difficult to build a player base without the tournaments winning because people want to be going to tournaments. Um, so we're hoping that this this tournament will be the first of many, and that slowly, bit by bit, we can gain extra players yeah. in the region. So for those who don't know, obviously, you know, the Midlands of, of Britain. Birmingham's the major city, but there isn't really anything in Birmingham. There's Black Dragon, isn't there, which is out a bit further to the east. Yeah, we've got Black Dragon and Hinkley, which uh, runs quality events. Uh, we've got Bristol, I haven't been to yet, which is probably the next closest. So between those two, um, but obviously Bristol's further south. Uh, Hinkley's sort of like northeast-ish. Yeah. So round Birmingham, which is sort of the second biggest city, uh, we've got nothing really. <laughs> so uh, Worcester's our closest big city, which is why we're winning it here, even though we're both from Kidderminster. Yeah. So. Actually, one of the things that I was always looking at is that, um, you know, uh, events like this, particularly in the UK, they tend to be running fairly grody venues. In the nice venues. So, for example, if you go to uh, Element Games, it's a really cool venue. It's massive. But it's, it's Inverons a little bit makes you feel like you're going to be murdered. Um, but as Worcester's actually... <laughs> I'm going to get killed. Sorry, guys. I love it. Um, Stockport's a great place. Um, but Worcester's a beautiful city. It's actually a really, really nice place. It's all kind of like half-timber-framed houses. It's actually really pretty. Yeah, and the, the advantage of um, 
Worcester War Games being central to the city means obviously you've got uh, easy access to all the food. Um, you can go out eat wherever you want. Uh, we've allowed an hour and a quarter for this event today uh, for lunch specifically so that we can all go out for a meal, either to all-you-can-eat Chinese or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, a lot of the large gaming centres obviously tend to be on industrial estates, yeah, uh, which exactly. is the, the disadvantage of having a... Uh, a larger venue obviously the advantage is you can ram the people in so yeah so what's your so um forge warden so um talk a little bit about the tournament what's the kind of usp kind of what's the draw for this particular tournament um just trying to play on a premium tournament so hopefully mm -hmm. we can track people from slightly further afield so hopefully it'll be the sort of like highest quality tournament that's that's being run yeah uh, on the planet hopefully so it's high quality in terms of in terms of uh, I, I suppose what I'm trying to draw you towards is your terrain because your terrain is it's outstanding uh, yeah it's uh, obviously it's our, our own collection um, so we're in the advantageous uh, position of having an awful lot of our own uh, our own terrain uh, which means that we're not relying on store terrain yep. um, and as good as the store terrain here is Worcester War Games obviously it suffers the same situation that it's in constant use by lots of people yeah. and has to be a wide variety of terrain for lots of different gaming systems sure um, so yeah so today we laid on seven tables um, they're specifically laid out of battlescapes so every table's got a theme it's got a name it's got a fluff background mm -hmm. and we've carefully thought out the position of each of the pieces not yeah. just throwing things on um and it means that you get a little bit of a wide variety of of challenges throughout the day so not every board has a hill for example there's a, there's one what? without um so if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're hill reliant then if you get drawn that board then you've got to make do some of the boards have got rather wide areas in the middle uh, that are a little bit open Everything's got some blocking, and uh, they're, they're all they're all good quality boards. But it's that little bit of variety yeah. to try and mix things up a bit. So you're trying to get that kind of that balance between, I suppose, uh, aesthetics and functionality. Uh, yes, yeah, which is always tricky with kings because uh, scenery has such a big role. Whereas obviously, if you're playing AOS or one of the other gaming systems, you can slap it on and, and absolutely pack the board, and it doesn't matter in the same way that you can with Vanguard. Say, yep, um, you can fill out. Whereas um, you've got to be fairly sparse with the pieces but lay down the, the correct way you can still get uh, the, the table telling a story right so there's been a lot of talk recently in the in the wider kings war community about stuff like dot deployment and um there was a recent counter charge episode where they talked and, and one of the main arguments against it was it just makes ugly boards do you think that's something that's really important when you're playing do you prefer to see you don't really care how it looks or i'd always prefer to have a, a really really good looking board that's telling a story as much as possible yeah. um uh, dot terrain has its place um and for competitive tournament mm. players that are i think it does add an extra level of sort of like uh, always gaming to to the deployment and it evens things out across most of the tables yeah um obviously the downside with that is it's very difficult to pick a, a very very strong general if all of the tables are almost identical yeah 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 um I mean, you can go the War Machine route as well and have flat terrain, which then makes it easy to play uh, to the to the best degree possible. Um, Unless you're playing elves, for example. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but obviously, War Machine has two D hills. Right. Uh, so we've got we've got the leather um, underneath all of our hills. Uh, because we've got nice looking hills but they're not always the easiest to position units if they happen to become uh, a clusterfuck of units <laughs> and you've got six units on a hill um so we sort of like it looks great to begin with and if it starts to look like you think it's going to get complicated then All you right. can switch to the so two. you can move your hills as well we'll, we'll move the hills and then just play on the leather leather yeah, underneath yeah. 
Um, so give us an example of one of your... So you've got your themed boards and a bit of fluff. So give an example. What's your, what's your favourite board and what's the kind of the fluff behind oh, it? We haven't... Oh, we've tried to make sure we haven't got any weak boards. That's the thing. Okay, uh, choose, choose one. So this is an example of people that are listening. We're literally sat at the Wailing Marsh at the moment. We are indeed. Um, so uh, this is... Uh, I won't read it all, but effectively it's based near the land of the city, yeah. Um, it was once a settlement that was then effectively taken over by an uh, undead necromancer who nice. slowly started to convert the villagers. Was that Steph? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> and no the he's, giving me, he's giving me a look. Ne- necromancer was wiser and better looking than Steph. Oh, better looking than um, Steph. Holy. <laughs> he's a good looking man. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so and, and that's why we've then got the, the toxic pools of the land started to turn. Yeah. Um, cool. That is really nice. And so we've got, uh, just to describe it for people, there's uh, some, some really nice ruined buildings. We've got some of those uh, really nice hills that we've got. And we've got a couple of swamp pools. Where do you get these from? These are, I've not seen these anywhere else. Uh, yeah, they're uh, Battlefield in a Box, the, uh, the company yeah. that doesn't like stocking its own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so so they, they've got the swamps in, uh, but lots of the things like the huts and the, the orc huts and stuff you struggle to get. The, the hills are um, Gale Force 9, Battlefield in a Box as well. Um, but those are difficult to get hold of and, and painted up really nicely cool so what's your hopes for Ford Wardens kind of going forwards from today uh, as long as today goes well uh, everybody seems to be eager at the moment so as long as everybody, everybody turns up and we have a good event um, then hopefully we aim to continue to run two or three events a year mm-hmm. um, we'd really really like to put on a two day event but we need to try and find a, a venue um, that's, that's reasonable in the area that can hold sort of two days um, there's a lot of talk on Fanatics the other day about having um, an American style uh, at a hotel, say, yeah. um, which obviously ups up, ups it again. Uh, the big argument is obviously whether we can find somewhere for the right price yeah, uh, that true, can still it? get people in and guarantee the numbers so that obviously we're not out of pocket. But um, here at Worcester War Games, we can hold 20-man tournaments down here. Yeah. There's enough room for 10 tables. Um Anything bigger than that on a one day, uh, we've got a hall literally just around the corner, which is really nice. It's a, yeah. a medieval building and your, your game upstairs. I think that would be really nice. So that's one of my main mainstays is, you know, it's, it's cool coming to gaming venues and it's kind of, but it, there's a while when it kind of, you want something that's a little bit grander. And I think to really attract that kind of, see, I want to, I want to run one in a brewery. This is my dream. I'm going to find a brewery somewhere or like a cider distillery in the Midlands because we've got lots of those that has a hall next to it and run a nice two-day cider distillery themed no, no one will be awake or alive by the end of it, but I think that would be awesome. Yeah, there's a few There's a few places, um, uh, there's a few wedding venues and hotels that are, that are reasonable. It's just a matter of trying to find them that, that can do the price. It's so expensive, that's the um, thing, isn't it? Uh, so... We might be able to run it off season. The second it's off wedding season, yeah, yeah. then you 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 okay. Midwinter. Um, and a lot of a lot of them have um two or three function rooms, and we could have them in smaller function rooms, yeah, sort yeah. of like October. And That'd it, be cool. But we'll look into it. But um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Hopefully yeah. it has a. So you had a look at the list today. What kind of a what kind of list can we look forward to? People bring in. Um. Yeah, we've got a good good spread today. Uh, we've got both undead factions. Uh, are being represented. That's literally my worst nightmare. Both dwarf factions are being represented. That's less of a nightmare. Both elf factions are being represented. Well, by... who, what kind of an idiot <laughs> would bring an elf list to this kind of a tournament? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, and some ogres. So we've got, um, I, think, I think ogres are the only army that's being uh, duplicated across the ten armies. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Obviously I'm back up with herd if I'm needed. So so yeah, should be should be, should be be good. Who's, who's your favourite? Who, who, who are you looking to, to top out? Um, <laughs> to 
depend, depends on depends on whether I'm forced to play or not. Oh yeah, no, we'll see. Uh, I think Steph's got a ridiculously strong lift list. But he's he's a terrible player though, right? Uh, we'll we'll see. I've ne- to, to context, I've never beaten Steph ever. <laughs> um, yeah, just I, I don't know. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be close at the top. Cool. Well, I suppose we'd wait and see. Um, thanks very much. Good luck. I'll let you go after it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. You're listening to Car Charge. All right, so I am here uh, halfway through, halfway through. How was uh, game one? Through. Yep. Um, with yourself. Uh, hello, I am Stefan Donovan. <laughs> last name. That is your last name. It is. You checked. That's not checked. So, Steph, you are the joint TO this tournament? I am. So, can you start off by giving us a bit of a, a background into, into you as a wargamer? How did you start wargaming? Um, how did you get into Kings of War? Oh, uh, well, I started many years ago, actually. I did. 40k, like the rest of the people, mm-hmm. and threw some dice with friends, played on the bed sheet and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> Who plays on a bed sheet? We okay. did. We had it. We had it on the on floor. The floor. Yeah, right, we did cases, over the hill. No, yeah, that would be terrible. Nice. Um, yeah, did all that. Sort of went away for it for a while, came back, um, and obviously a lot more games appeared. And then with those, uh, we played fantasy, and that's the thing that really sold me because. I was a big fan of the computer games yeah. for the Total War. Was it 6th edition, 7th? Yeah, it was about 7th actually, it was quite late into it. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, obviously fantasy exploded. <coughs> As it does, we don't talk about the it. The sundering. <laughs> it's okay, I'm okay. Um, and then what happened is obviously uh, Two Hunter Kings, the obvious go-to, but actually it was just very good. It was a very good game where it was very approachable, easy to learn, hard to master. And yeah, I've been hooked ever since. So. Yeah, and how did you meet up with uh, with Rich? Because you guys, do you, is Celestial Forge just the two of you or is it a bigger gaming group? Well, the, the Celestial Forge itself was a painting company and we did that for a while. And we did all right. But the main thing is, is obviously you're getting paid for it, so yep. it's a job. And then it just kind of, you didn't want to paint things after a while. And actually, we enjoyed the gaming part and the running of the events we always wanted to try. Um, so it's just the two of us doing that. Uh, but actually, before that, it was through playing 40k, I went to uh, a local area, looked online for some people to play uh, 40k, anything basically. Um, found a small shop by us, and it's where Simon and a bunch of them were, and, uh, and Rich was there as well. So from then on, we just sort of uh, always played games, and he's obviously got a studio, and, yeah. and then run loads of games from there. So it's been cool. This is this is your the first tournament you guys have organised, right? Yes, yes. So it's a small it's a small tournament, it's a one dayer. You've got kind of big hopes for, for the region, really, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's safe. I told you before, three years. Three years in the making. Three years in the making. You like to take the time? We do. It's, uh, anyone who knows me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the normal. It takes time. a while. It's about quality control, though, isn't Thank it? Thank you. Yes, we'll go with that. Um, yeah, so it's taken a while, but actually, obviously, what ends up is, is something like this. We're hoping for uh, high-quality terrain, something that people can walk away from and say, that was a great introduction. Obviously, certain people here have only played a, a few games. Uh, others are sort of long-term veterans, and all of them are sort of at least uh, immersed to some degree uh, with each game with just, with just the boards being you know, different as normally it just tends to be a, what have you got on hand and we'll make it yeah. work so obviously three years in the making but I think I feel like it's paid off yeah so you and Mariah thinking you've played a hand in pretty much painting all of this scenery as well oh yes painted up done it all it's very much uh, 50-50 between me and Rich and we just uh, play to each other's strengths he's good at mass painting I do more detailed stuff and then between us we get something like this she's really nice so we're sitting on a table is this one this one Dimmerglim Ridge is this one so it has a whole fluff each each board has a I'm sure Rich might have told you each each board has a whole uh, place within the Mantic map in the history and we've given it a rough idea of what used to happen there why it's important uh, and just gives it some flavours rather than just and another board so that's as well and you're playing today as well as the other spare player, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the player 10. I wanted to not play, and the issue was uh, if you get to nine players, obviously 10, there's some scoring ranking rubbish, uh, and certain people do care about that, so therefore me just stepping in, just playing a few games, rolling a few dice, means that 
other people get points then. Yeah. I'll take it. So how was the how was the first game? Yeah, really good. Actually. What have you bought today? Uh, elves I've brought. You bought Don't elves. Judge me. Typical. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Well, you know, I'd rather face your elves than your undead, to be honest. And that's why I brought my elves. But for context, how nice am I? I've never beaten Steph in any game we played. We only played three three times, two times, a couple uh, of times. Only twice, I think. Yeah, and you beat me both times. You actually didn't just beat me. You caned me so hard I couldn't sit down for a it week. It wasn't. It's, 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 it's for context. You can watch the battle report. Yes, you can. Hey, you plugged Death by Dragon. Yeah, Death, Death by Dragon. Oh, thanks for mentioning it. Oh, I wasn't going to mention that. Well, you, you do. You do a YouTube thing. Don't you? I do. I do have my YouTube, but that's, uh, that's another thing I don't really talk about. No, no, I, don't, I don't like to talk about it. Flipping the... Uh, I don't like to talk about it. I'll ask you questions. <laughs> so how did you first game? You, uh, what's, tell, tell me about your list. Uh, the list is, believe it or not, is a list that I used to run... Uh, many years ago, fairly similar, and this isn't a, a, a finger-pointing thing. Uh, Tom Robinson has a very strong version of it, which obviously... Did, made... he, did he steal it from you? I feel like he should... No, he hasn't, no. uh, he, he come to his own conclusion, played it better, and I stole ideas from him after the fact, but uh, I run the Dragon with the Boots, which I've always loved, and because I ran the Dragon with the Boots on the Mantic Dragon, it's always been on the big base. So this big, it was a nerf, it meant nothing to me because I was just using You're the already doing stuff. 75 mils. Yeah, and most of the other stuff, uh, if anything, all it did is prove to me that it was reasonable decisions because obviously Tom's using it, you're going, there's probably something there. So Seaguard, um, I used to run Vicious, but I did I did borrow, borrow the idea of uh, Wine of Elven Kind. Cause so you've got Nimble Seaguard. Very nice. I've always ran, I'm like, everyone does this with elves, you get your, your, your piercing on your horde of archers. So I think, see, I've run a very similar list, as yeah. you know, because um, for context, every time I run a list, um, Steph comes over and he kind of goes, <laughs> oh, mm, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have done that. And then I have to go and like buy 20 more models to paint them um, because he's generally irritatingly right. So, <laughs> so you've got your Nimble Sea Guard, you've got your Dragon, you've got your Horde of Archers. Horde of Archers. Uh, the, yeah, the main things that I liked from Tom's list was the, the Nimble and Sea Guard instead yeah. of Vicious. A uh, bit more expensive, but the idea is you can, the fact you can move and shoot with no penalty. And actually it puts you in really good position to be able to turn, move out someone's arc, turn back in and face. Very good. Uh, it's the Forest Shampers. Now I had a horde of them, mainly because they were in the starter set, mm. and I didn't know anything <laughs> about it. So I've since turned them into regiments, which I really did like, which yeah. was the just holding an area, they're, your token. Things. And their defence five, they've got good nerve. Yeah, they're sort of like tasty. I'm used to having zombie regiments, so to these it's very similar, just much tougher, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then I've got some other odds and ends. He looks around to see what he's got. Uh, Draft on board with Brew, because he doesn't run that. Yeah. Breath weapon, a couple of banners, keep stuff around, and uh, oh, a dude on the chariot, just the prince, which I really like, because he just runs around, he's annoying, grabs tokens, holds areas. Yeah. First game was against? Uh, Henry. So it was, uh, uh, big, slow, uh, lumbering elemental army. It's a nature army, right? Yeah, force of nature, uh, boulder guard formation, slow stuff, blah, blah. But this is a really interesting army, actually, because it's the first time I've seen an army that is 100% 3D printed. Oh, it's really nice as and well. I think Mr. Renton went maybe crying somewhere about the idea of this army that cost him less than a five, yes. essentially. And it, it really, I've taken some pictures of it because it looks really nice. I really like it. And I wasn't, I wouldn't have known it was printed until he pointed it out. Yeah. And I was like, is it? And he handed me over an elemental, I'm staring at these lines, and he's going, well, yeah, I guess it is, but it, you wouldn't know. And they're really light as well, it's not heavy. Comically so, yeah. They're plastic, they're, they're hollow plastic, it's really good. But I really like it. It's a really nice army. Yeah, it's very tasty. Actually, everyone's generally a good, good, good portion of players, yeah, which is what you want. Especially in terms of aesthetics, obviously your boards, the aesthetics are important to you, and you're, yes. you guys are professional painters, so your armies are beautiful so do you want to you want to try it you up oh. in fact steph you, you didn't you win best painted at the last tournament you were in uh yeah i managed to pick up i i, I bribed some judges yeah, at the yeah, coming storm enough. and uh because obviously nick williams's arm is there and that's stunning as well yeah it's gorgeous and they, i think he got 
Highest choice. Highest choice, and I think uh, Adam was saying there's like two votes in it. So I thought, well, so I'll take that. That's a, that's a close second. And then, and then they said there was a judges one as well. Like, you haven't quite gone into display board. Uh, <coughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah. I, I probably have to just to keep up with everyone just else at this point because yeah. I'm just going to be left behind. Feel the next project at display board when you I think so. Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, so the only issue is just storage. It feels like you're wasting a lot of time, but obviously at the same time, I, I feel you're at the point now with bigger tournaments. People, if it's not on a board, they just kind of sh yeah. shut it walk off. over yeah. it. Yeah. What, what arm is that? And then you can. It's that wow factor, isn't it? It's a very American thing on display boards, but it's it's creeping yeah. over here. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I can see why, and obviously it's handy to whisk your army about. Yeah, yeah. But it does, it does make them stand out. So. Yeah, it is nice. And so um, we talk about the gaming scenes in the Midlands. There's kind of a gap, isn't there? Really. So you've got, you've got Black Dragon, mm -hmm. and you've got a uh, Charred's tournament. Um, he, he mentions it a couple of times occasionally a day on Fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to it, so I can't complain. No, no, no. Um, but I was talking to uh, to Gary from Black Dragon. He was saying he felt like the tournament scene's in a bit of a crisis point, and I'm, I'm not sure I agree. But he was saying that Clash of Kings was smaller this year in the UK, and it seems like a tournament scene is growing in the US. But he feels that it's not it's not burgeoning. So I think maybe we need more of these local smaller tournaments to get a player base interested to then take it on to be bigger tournaments later no sure does that sound uh... Uh, yeah I mean I wouldn't say crisis point but obviously Gary has uh, his views from running the store versus and a few of the bigger events uh, I mean we go around to some of the littler events and, and actually normally does quite well but it's little pockets it's pockets of players and up north you can't possibly have a large gathering in London they have a reasonable amount but if you actually if you go on Kings of War Fanatics someone's done a map of events and if you can see around the north uh, the, the sort of up the north and then down to the sort of uh, London it's just a sort of like horde of like events and then the Midlands is just there's nothing there's just this gulf of just nothing it really does seem that way it's like there's a northern and there's a southern yeah, and nothing. there's even there's a northern group and a southern group yes I'm, I've had to join both of them because okay. I don't know where we stand anymore no. <laughs> seems a bit yes uh, I'm not too sure why they go. we'll do a Midlands one we'll get you that as well, well all, all, all 20 of us right? it's just the Kidderminster Games group it's right? just to feel special that's what it is you've got your own group I suppose it's because there's no I, I think in in the US the regions they're they're kind of clustered around the big the big cities where you've got the concentration of players. Yeah. Because we are smaller towns like we're in Worcester, which is beautiful, but it's a very small town. Sure, sure. Kidderminster is a small town. Birmingham's bigger, but there's only about five of us that play in Birmingham, yeah. which is really weird. Yes, which is odd. And you all come here because yeah, yeah, because basically, well, what else is there at that point in that area? So go to uh, Battlemasters. Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> plug, plugging for charity. <laughs> no plug for. Hey, we like to plug with we're, uh, equal opportunities plugging. Yes. So um. Cool. So, um, what we're talking about? So, wise how are you, are you pleased with the standard of armies? I say there's an unpainted army being packed away next to us. It, yes, but that's that's headed somewhere very nice, and you can already see how good that is just on the base. It is but, really um, nice, actually. But the armies, yeah, generally, uh, I think they've done a really good job. And uh, fundamentally, you just want to encourage people to pick up a paintbrush and, yeah. and crack on. That's what you want. And I know it's a struggle, and lots of people don't have the time, but. It really does make a difference. That's why obviously a lot of the bigger companies, <coughs> Workshop, is doing things where they'll have painted stuff only and you're not allowed in, which obviously some people are against, but there, there's, there's a line somewhere between where stuff's painted and it helps sort of just make the game versus not. Yeah. Uh, normally the best way to do it, which is what we've done, is just a penalty or a bonus for painted armies is the way we look at it. Right. Uh, so uh, for those power gamers, obviously they then go, this army's broken, I'm going to just stick some wood onto this and that's my horde of so-and-sos. It helps encourage or dissuade from that. Yeah. But it has worked, and most people are very much just wanting nice stuff, looking nice. And I mean, half of it is the aesthetics, isn't it? It's a bit, especially like mass battle games, rank and file. It's just about hordes of stuff with banners, yeah. marching into sort of the battlefield and seeing. It looks mastics. amazing, yeah. yeah. I think we're at that point, aren't we? That's it's two, two to three years now after after second edition launch. 
people have they've moved from Games Workshop, so there are people still playing with Games Workshop armies. Okay. But increasingly, you know, there's there's a new army you want to try, and people tend to be buying more Mantic stuff. Where do you stand on the kind of a Mantic army front? Are you guys? We go Mantic only, um, and the main reason of that is just we want to support the company. So what we do is we personally say, in order to keep the game around, we want to make sure they're getting the finances and the funding from us, so we do. But we don't judge anyone that then wants to run from uh, older systems, because obviously the whole point is that so did we. We, we were fantasy players. Yeah. We just chose to try and support it in another way by saying, look, this is Mantic stuff. We'll go for it. And obviously they do the same idea is they don't sort of penalise you for running Mantic, but they do give you benefits of if you go to the big events, that's how you, you know, if you top place Mantic Army, you get it. Best painted Mantic Army, you get it. Yeah. So to get in on that, we just thought we would. Oh, I don't mind. I say we've got a good mix of Mantic and uh, some GW down the bottom. Yeah. It's strong, it looks nice. And, and I'm, I'm ragging on Simon's Arby's next to us, which is unpainted. But that's well, so pure Mantic. Looks it is pure Mantic. It is. But he's an ex Warhammer player who's got every army. Yeah, pretty much. He's been playing for so long, he's yes. pretty much got. I mean, I've never played him with the same army because he's like, oh, I've just bought out my lizard men. Uh, he's got hordes. Just boxes and boxes and boxes. And you basically just, he goes, oh, I'll have that today. Stick someone to base, his job done. Which obviously you can do. And there's nothing wrong with that as well. Yeah, yeah. But he's got, he's gone out, he's gone out and he's. Spent some money and bought a fully Mantic versus Wolf Army that he's halfway through doing. Uh, they look great, and the main reason I think was the same sort of things that we'd said, which was we want to support the company and yeah, he yeah. wants to be. Uh, and the quality's come up as well, isn't it? I think when they first came out with elves, you know, the elves are uh, a mixed bag. Some people love them, some yeah. people hate them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're different. Yeah. You've got a whole elf army. Like, yeah, but it's because of Mantic. And again, I was yeah. doing it predominantly not for, oh my god, these are the nicest elves on the market. Cause, you you know, wanted to support. I think they're okay. I like that. To paint them is a nightmare. Yes. And they're, they're all a bit too thin. That's the problem. They've, kind of gone, for, they've gone for wire. But are they supposed live. to be ethereal? They have no necessarily have the organs that you have. No, they have none, apparently. They've gone for live, kind of super. It's fine. It's their style. And at least they're not trying to sort of piggyback on somebody else. Right. And so, that's the one thing they have done. Like, if you notice, their ogre range is actually probably some of the best ogres out there, I believe. And that isn't just saying it to go, oh, Mantic's actually just, they are very strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and obviously, the more range they're bringing out, Night Stalkers are incredible. Night Stalkers are great. All right, so obviously, if that's the new bar they've set, this is wonderful because obviously, people getting into the game can look at these really good ranges, support the company, which then grows the game, which allows more people to join, and so on. It's just a snowball. Yeah. I think I actually feel like it's going the other way. I think tournaments you can struggle with getting extra people in, but you've just got to build up the communities like this, and events like this means that if it tries to pull us together in the Midlands, just get more games going, more tournaments, just more of a scene, and you'll be better off for it. Cool. Well, that sounds great. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the day. Okay. Thanks very much. No worries. There's only one Cox in Kings of War. <laughs> okay, so I'm here with the winner of the tournament, uh, Mr. Simon Cooper. Congratulations. Thank you. So just really quickly, um, talk a little bit. Uh, so what, 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 what army do you bring? Abyssal Dwarves. So in fact, I was talking about your army with Steph because it was... <laughs> uh, we all, you're, uh, let's talk a little bit first. So you talk about your uh, history of wargaming, how you got into wargaming and how you found Kings of War. So on, so forth. 28 years ago. <laughs> you don't look old enough. Um, when I was eight years old, my dad got walked into Games Workshop and said, what's a game that doesn't require much add-on? Yeah. Called Mighty Empires. Okay. And um, from there, it was um, got into the hobby. Then games were uh, uh, Space Crusade here. Yeah, yeah. Quest, Warhammer Quest. Oh, I remember Space eventually, Crusade. Warhammer Fantasy and Forty Gun. Um, that was about twenty six years ago. Yeah, yeah. So. And when King started, joined that fairly quickly. Is that after Warhammer died, I assume? Uh, no, before Warhammer died, actually. Uh, my dad was one of the people on a forum when the Mantic people sent a message saying, anybody want to help us with the hobby and learn the rules and play the game and whatever. OK. Um, and so he signed up for uh, the, the beta testing of the rules. All right. So, so he you actually helped yeah, play the rules. So do you still play with your dad, I assume? Yeah, one of my dad's one of the players and my brother. 
Uh, one of the magic items in the rule book is actually one that my dad suggested. So, you know, I feel quite... Wow, which one's that? <laughs> uh, the fog. Ah, the fog, yeah. Stealthy. Yeah. Um, he just suggested something that gave stealthy. Um, yeah. Where do you see the fog? Oh, I can't remember seeing it. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, not very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's been for your dad's, your dad's skill. But, um, there we go. Cool. Um, so, uh, how did you find the tournament? Obviously, you won, so must be pretty good. Very difficult. Three good players, three good opponents. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of the events always are. Yeah, we were talking about your army before because um, this is your first Mantic army, isn't it? Because you've got yeah. a lot of armies. What, what, just really quickly, what are the armies that you've got? Can you reel them off? Every single one in the rule book. Every just, single just go, just go with that. No, not no, quite every single one. Um, too many to count. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've got things like Trident Realms. Night Stalkers. No, I've got a Night Stalker. I use demons from old fantasy as my Night Stalkers. Right, right, right. Yeah, probably pretty much Titan Realms. I don't play Kingdoms of Men, human armies, but other than that, I've got virtually everything. It helps you, though, having one of each army. Does it, does it help you or hinder you? Because every time I play, you're playing something different. I literally, I've never faced you with the same army, um, and we play quite a lot. Um, and yeah, because yeah, you, know, you, know, you don't Next focus on a particular that, army, exactly. you don't necessarily get really good with a particular army, or do you think it's more that the breadth of experience gives you more... It's just, just experience. I like the idea of trying armies with Pathfinder, or like a nature or herd. Yeah. Trying armies that are more defensive, like the Abyssal Dwarves with her Golems. Um, I just like the different ideas, you know, just play it around, uh, not sure why. Yeah. So which of the three games that you've played today, it was a three-game tournament, which was your, uh, your favourite, let's say? Hard to say, really. Um, Close to Probably the first one against Panda because he's a good uh, good opponent, he's a good sport. Yeah. Bit of a laugh, laughing around, you know. Okay. He was playing. Um, so yes, yeah, undead. Uh, undead, the undead list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had. Um, remind me of his list. He had the two undead uh, worms, revenants, skeleton archers, skeleton regiments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Soul cavalry that didn't do much. <laughs> he didn't do much when I played him, did he? He didn't send them forward and get them killed, as a lot of people do. He held them back at the right time. But I found my army is very much um, tough, hard to kill, heal, resilient, but doesn't kill much. His army, tough, hard to kill, heals a lot, doesn't kill much. So it's just a slog in a way. We killed like 600 and 700 points apiece of each of us. And what was your, what was your list? So it's, uh, it was a bit of loss, right? You're yeah, pretty, really um, running through I suppose you could see, see, a, see attached notes. Because I could give you the list if you want to do it that way. No, no, just talk, talk really quickly through the A bit of golems, um, uh, Infernoc, Dravic Dalka, the character combo, yep. which were horrible. Solry, uh, half breed regiment, which did well. Um, three dragon fire teams, dragon, um, supreme caster on ancient wing half breed. A total of 58 breath attacks, which was fun. Um, 16 drops all told, 16 units, gargoyles, <laughs> regiment of slave or four riders. So pretty high unit strength as well. Yeah, surprisingly, hard to kill. Yeah. But not a lot of uh, punch, would you say? Or no, mostly punch that's what the golems are mostly for, with 18 attacks, melee 4 plus crushing 2 and vicious. Yeah. I found they delivered the punch, and the dragon. But I do aim to add more to it in future. These events tell me what I need to do to change it to make it a bit better. Yeah. Like giving the dragon a um, artifact uh, chalice drop, probably for fury, or um, something on the half breeds to make them a bit punchier. Yeah. So good stuff. So what's uh, what's your next plan? What's you, you've got quite a few tournaments in this year, right? So you've been to yeah. Coming Storm. Next one probably Battlemasters. Battlemasters. That's the Sharrods tournament over in yeah. Leicestershire. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah, we're going together. That's so mm. uh, two and a half <laughs> thousand points. Yeah, yeah, you got enough so you can beat me. Uh, Again. 
for the second tournament in a row. I'd like to state for the record, Simon's never beaten me in a game. And we played half a dozen games? Yeah, yeah, And but he's beaten me uh, in every tournament we've played, which is two, to be fair, but he has thrashed me both times. Which is a little bit galling. Close. Close. Yeah, yeah. Today was pretty close. There was one point in it in the end. But, uh, Good stuff. Well, he doesn't feel bitter at all, does he? I'm so bitter. You've not. I'm twisted inside. It just kills me. Uh, <laughs> good. No. Well, congratulations, man. And uh, I'll see you. Cheers. I'll see you soon. I guess. Yeah. Right. Cheers. I'm Grant Alexander from the Bexley Reapers, and you're listening to Counter Charge. And welcome back. All right, Steve. Hey, thank you so much for going out to the tournament and recording with the guys. It was great. This is the start of what I consider more of the stitching process, you know, getting more into the UK scene, you know, you guys know a lot about the U S scene and then we're going to try to get some more travel between the countries. And then, you know, when these players that we hear about on these interviews start showing up, you know, at tournaments that the U S players are hopefully coming to, or, Hey, maybe we'll even come over for a one day. You never know on a trip or something like that. I'm trying to, you know, put all that together. So a hands across the sea is wonderful for me. So again, thank you very much. Oh, it's my utter pleasure. I, I can't wait to do more. I think, um, so, I told, so uh, the next one, so there's a little gap and then I'll be at Battle Masters in Leicester. Um, I'm planning to go to a little tournament called Shroud of the Reaper, which I think is super fun. It's kind of a death-themed tournament, which is down in London uh, later in, uh, I think it's in July. And then oh, Battle Masters in, is in September. That's right. And this uh, Shadow of the Reef is in July. There's Mantic Doubles I'm going to pop in on, which is at Mantic HQ in July. There's Clash of Kings later in the year. And then we'll go from there. Sounds good. Yes. And Shroud of the Reaper is run by our good friends, Grant Alexander and Mark Cunningham. So we cannot wait to have that done. As a matter of fact, we're going to get all of you guys on the show to do Shroud of the Reaper coverage. So we're going to uh, probably do a little run-up to that. Shroud of the Reaper is certainly a star on the UK scene, so we're very, very happy. And there will be a Countercharger Award at Shroud of the Reaper, definitely. So, uh, Steve, maybe you can help us out with that, uh, spreading the Countercharger love across the UK as well. I would be delighted. Awesome. So if Steve's coming to the tournament, hopefully we will have a countercharger there for him to deliver and uh, we can hand that award out because it takes everyone, and I mean everyone in attendance, to make an excellent tournament. So we really like to uh, reward the person with statistically the hardest award to win, the peak of the bell curve, the countercharger. <laughs> awesome. Steve, you have any shout outs today? So yeah, I'd like to, to shout out um, the guys over at Celestial Forge who ran the tournament. So check out their Facebook page. Just search for The Celestial Forge. They've got some, some beautiful stuff up there, as well as some photographs of me wearing a very suspicious-looking elf hat, which I think is uh, well worth looking at. Apart from that, just shout out the guys at Counter Charge, and I uh, look forward to chatting to you guys some more. And we certainly look forward to having you back on the show. So hey, for shout-outs for me, definitely got to give a shout-out to EasyArmy.com. Can you spot Blaster on the page? Go check it out. This is the place to uh, go ahead and get your armies ready for battle. So, Also, the Narrative Workshop's army section is powered by EasyArmy.com. So if you got a few shekel, you know, a few pounds laying around, you know, toss them Greg's way and thank him for all the hard work he does for the community. It's amazing how vital he is. Like I've said in previous episodes, you know, until the uh, annual update is up on Easy Army, it doesn't even exist for me. So <laughs> I am not doing that in Excel. I am not doing it on paper. I am doing it on Easy Army. 
Com. So check that out. I am also going to give a shout out to the Living Legends team tournament that our good friend Jeff Swan is going to be running. And uh, Colin and I will be a team and we will be attending. Plane tickets have already been purchased. I am very excited. So we'll be seeing you in early October. I am not going to spoil all the dates and pack time and all that stuff because Mr. Swan has got to get that out. So, but I am very, very excited about that. Colin and I are actually going to be starting on our armies, and we are thinking about actually building a travel army and not borrowing something this year, which is amazing. So we will have to see. So, of course, Colin will be undead. I do not know what I am going to do, and that's kind of waiting for the pack. I don't know if we can have the same army or not or if they got to be you know, two different forces or whatever. So that's going to be a little interesting, so I'm kind of holding off a little bit until I see the the team tournament pack before I get started on mine. But we are going to create 2,000-point armies, and uh, we're trying to work to travel with them. So I'm going to be watching all that uh, information again that Paul Welsh put out and, of course, our good friend Nick Williams on traveling with your armies. So if you guys have not seen that before, search the interwebs and you will find it. It even survived a car crash relatively intact, so those guys know what they were doing. (laughs) Very, very cool. So, yeah, we don't want to uh, suffer the Southwest Airline disaster that Jeff suffered a number of years ago. So that'll be very interesting. We'll be talking about that. And I will be in After Dark, and that's my last shout-out, is the After Dark community. So check it out. We are now over on Discord. I don't like Discord as much as I like the Google Hangouts, but... We do have a a section on the big Kings of War Discord over there. So if you need more information on that, head over to the After Dark community on Facebook or head over to the Countercharge community on Facebook and check it out. And someone will get a hold of you and they will let you know. Just post your question up there and you should be all set. Yeah, it's been a little quiet lately, but uh, we're trying to get it going. I have been painting in the morning now. I can't stay up late. My wife has decided she is going to stay up late now, and it is very difficult for me to get time to paint. So now I am waking up early in the morning using some of that business training to get that me time. And I'll tell you what, I am working on some forces of nature right now, and I am very, very happy about that. And I am actually moving forward with it. I am actually completing the thousand point army that I started for army in a weekend, like two years ago. Yeah, That's the world's longest weekend. (laughs) It is. And you know, basically the reason I'm finishing these guys is because I really don't want to paint the Varinger I have on the table. I actually, I actually packed them away this weekend. I cleaned my hobby room a little bit and I've got one project set up right now. Oh my goodness. Just one. I've got the one on the off and I'm going to finish it. Uh, I picked up a little cork yesterday, and I'm going to try a little bit of the cork rock base thing going there and uh, try to finish them off. I'm trying to come up with a unified basing scheme, and I'm going to rebase stuff so that the armies can kind of work with each other if they ally and stuff like that. But, you know, we do most of our playing in the basement, but, you know, it's good to get out to the tournament every once in a while. So, But very, very exciting. So hopefully they'll be done. They will not be fabulously painted because... Uh, I can't see as well as I used to, so I miss stuff, but I'll be honest about it. But uh, hey, this is the way it goes. Thank you, Age. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Age. You get one of those big magnifying lamps. You know, I've been I've been working on my um, 
my Rackian army. So talking about picking up a project, every time I start on a new army, I, my friend says something like, hey, you want to add X to your elves? And I end up with, I've now got 4,000 points of elves. There's very little more I can build for elves or Twi'lekin. So I started a little while ago on my all-mantic Rackian army. So this is taking the, the Veermin from, from Dead Zone and converting them all into the uh, fantasy miniatures for a Rackian army. Because one of the armies that Mantic doesn't make is Ratkin, and I think that's that's unfortunate because I really wanted to play them. So there's been a lot of cutting, a lot of gluing, a lot of green, a lot of green stuff. Uh, my fingers are, have a sorry story to tell. They're covered in slices and cuts and scars, but I'm about three quarters way through um, my my Ratkin force, and I would have chosen like the most populous force possible. There's hundreds of miniatures in a Ratkin force, and each one of them has to be converted because they're all got like spacey armor and tubes and wires and stuff. So there's a lot of green stuff going into that, but I'm I'm pretty happy with how it turns out. So when they're, when they're done, I'll put out some pictures of that as well because I'm pretty excited about it. Boy, Steve, you really do jump in with both feet, don't you? <laughs> Holy mackerel. Go big or go home. That's what I'm talking about. Speaking of which, that's a great segue. It's time for us to go home, Steve. So why don't you go ahead and take us out? Okay, whatever you do, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Music